indeed we pray that the Holy Spirit would touch each and every one of us in a life-giving and in a transforming way. I want to, first of all, thank our Lord Jesus Christ for bringing us together as the family of God. I'm grateful for the opportunity that I'm gaining in getting to know Mike Woodruff as the pastor of this church. Mike and I have been working together, collaborating together, or collaborating on a project that brings together gospel communicators and preachers who are being nurtured and who are experiencing a deeper walk with God and trusting that out of that deepened walk with God, they're able to serve with great courage and with boldness. And we're getting to know each other, and um, it's just a good thing. Before I read the scriptures for you, I would ask that you would pray with me. Let's pray. Lord, even as we've heard again from the choir, we pray, Lord, that prayer would be answered this morning, that you would touch us, you would make us whole. We come before you this morning with divided hearts, with wounded spirits, with minds that are troubled by a variety of things. But Lord, we have come to the house of God. We have come into your presence. And we pray that through the proclamation of the scriptures, we would, our eyes would be opened, our, our minds would be renewed, the burdens would be lifted. We would take our heavy burdens and we would take on the very yoke of Jesus, which is easy and which is light. So Lord, we trust you for all those things and more. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'm reading from um, Genesis chapter 12, the first four verses of that chapter. And this is what it said. The Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the ones who dishonor you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. When I read that last week, I started asking myself, I wonder how many of us know that the same God who called Abraham, who blessed Abraham, who sent Abraham, is the same God today. And God's methods haven't changed that God is still looking for men and women. God is still calling your name. God is still blessing his people and sending his people so that they can be a blessing. I wonder how many of us here this morning know that deep within our hearts that we are a blessed people. And then when I read the New Testament, I hear the same echoes in the New Testament. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. 
I read an amazing story a few weeks ago that I want to share with you. And it's the story about a dirt poor farmer who one night is suddenly awakened by an angel. And the angel is standing at the foot of his bed and the angel says to him, God desires to bless you as he did your ancestor Abraham. He has empowered me to grant you and your wife three blessings. But this is the only condition. Your neighbor whom you dislike will receive a double portion of what is given to you and your family. And so they were so amazed, they were so astonished, and since they were very, very poor, the first request that they offered to God was that they would have a thousand head of cattle. And they knew to get a thousand head of cattle would break the cycle of poverty in their lives that their family had endured for years. And no sooner had they made the request that they heard noises now coming from their land. And he and his wife rushed out the door, and lo and behold, a thousand cattle. So they immediately knelt down, and they began to pray and give thanks to God, and they praised the name of God, and they, they were filled with overflowing joy. And he and his wife went out later that afternoon to survey the land, trying to see where they should build these barns so that the barns would hold the, the necessary grain in order to feed the herd. And they found a spot, and they decided they were going to build it just over there on the hill. And then as they reached the hill, they could see their neighbor's field and they could see the herd of 2,000 cattle. And immediately, immediately their joy disappeared, and they went home angry, and they were so upset that they wouldn't eat their supper, and all they could see, their neighbor had 1,000 more cattle than they did. So the farmer and his wife then considered their second request, and they always wanted a child. And so this became their second request. And the wife then joyfully announced at the synagogue that they will be parents. And sure enough, one Friday evening as the Sabbath was about to begin, a baby was born into the circle of love. And the next occasion, the farmer went to the local synagogue. And when the time came for the prayers of the people, the farmer stood up and he explained, God has been so good to us. God has been gracious to us. And a child has been born into our family last night. And this wave of delight went throughout the congregation. And then from the other side of the synagogue, his neighbor stood up. And the neighbor said, indeed, God is good. Because last night, my wife gave birth to twins. And no sooner had his, farmer, his neighbor said those words that all the joy just oozed out of the farmer and his wife and all the good feelings that they were feeling, it immediately dissipated and they went home from church that morning in a different state of mind and their whole day was spoiled. This time, the dark clouds of discontent simply would not abate in the heart and the mind of this farmer. And one night, he made his final request to God. And he said, Lord God, I ask you to gouge out my right eye. And as soon as he said those grim words, the angel again materialized at the foot of his bed and once again said very solemnly, Oh, son of Abraham, why have you turned to such dark desiring? And the farmer replied with utter bitterness, I cannot stand the sight of my neighbor's good fortune, so I will gladly sacrifice half of my vision for the satisfaction of knowing that he will be blind and unable to see his great blessings. 
And then this long silence ensued, and tears began to form in the eyes of the angel. And the angel then said, why have you taken an occasion for blessing and turned it to such destructiveness? Hear this. Your third request will not be granted, not because God lacks integrity, but because God is full of mercy. And you should know, too, that you have brought great sadness not only to yourself, but also to the Holy One by virtue of how you have chosen to respond to his generosity. Isn't that a sad story? But isn't that a true story? And I wonder if anyone here knows anyone who lives this way. Never content, never grateful for who they are and what they have because as they look across the aisle or they look over their neighbor's fence or they look into the next office cubicle, that person is doing it a little better, earning a little bit more, a little bit more trimmed, a few more six-packs, a little bit more here, you know, something. The neighbor has it a little bit better than you. I wonder if there is anyone here who is so distracted, so unhappy because of what others have. And if that's the case, I'm here this morning to, to, to help you with that. Because I want you to know this morning that, that, that God has blessed you. And God has blessed you to be a blessing. And I want you to know this morning that God's blessings are not burdens. That when God blesses us, it brings joy to our lives. And when the joy of God fills our lives, we're able to share that joy with others. And I want to use the story of Abraham as a way to help us to enter into that. You see, Abraham was called the father of faith. And this is why his story is really our story. And there are three ways in which Abraham's story speaks into our lives. And I want to get really personal with you this morning. I want to tell you a little bit about my own life and how God has blessed me out of the situations in which I've lived. I am not sure how Abraham heard God's voice, but one of the first blessings that God placed on Abraham was the blessing of just hearing God call his name. We don't know how Abraham heard that, but one day, one day God simply showed up in Abraham's life. And God showed up in a way in Abraham's life that Abraham could not ignore the voice of God. Was it in a dream? Was it a sign? Was it a vision? Was it a message from someone? We don't know. The important thing to note is that Abraham heard God tell him to make three very radical sacrifices. And I want you to think about those radical sacrifices with me this morning. The first radical sacrifice that God placed on Abraham was this. I want you to go from your country to a land that I'm going to show you. The second thing God asked him to do is, I want you to go from your extended family, your, your relatives, your clan. And the third thing God told him to do was, I want you to go from your father's house, from your inheritance, your siblings. In other words, Abraham, I want you to give up everything that you have, everything that you've known, everything that defines you, everything that brings you security. I want you to give it all up. For what? And then God tells him, in return, I'm going to give you four things. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a great 
nation, a great people, a goyim, as the Hebrew says. I'm going to bless you with a great name, and I'm going to pour out my blessings upon you, Abram, so that through you all the families of the earth would be blessed. Abram, I want you to know that you're blessed so that you can be a blessing. And I love this story. I love it because, as, as was said earlier, my wife and I were born in Kingston, Jamaica. And as early as 11 years old, I can remember this sense of being called, this sense of this yearning deep within me to know this God. I remember when the great black evangelist Tom Skinner came from New York City and he came to Trenchtown. And if you know anything about Jamaica and if you know anything about Trenchtown, Trenchtown remains one of the toughest and poorest sections of the inner city of Kingston, Jamaica. Is anyone here familiar with the music of Bob Marley? A few, yeah, a few. Well, you remember that one song that Bob Marley would sing, No Woman, No Cry? And there's that one line in his song, I remember when I used to stay in a tenement yard in Trenchtown. And where we lived was separated from Trenchtown by this park. And as a little boy, I can remember going into that park I would fly kites. I would fight little boys in the park. I played football, not with my hands, but with my feet. And Trenchtown was right next to where we lived. Well, Tom Skinner came to that part of Jamaica, Kingston, and he set up this evangelistic ministry. And so from where I lived, I could hear his powerful voice booming through those speakers on those warm Caribbean nights. And what I remember about those nights was that I didn't want to go. I think the meetings went on for about a week. Members of my family went, and I didn't want to go. I can't remember why, but I just stayed home. And I sat there in my backyard listening to this man preaching. And not only did I hear Tom Skinner's voice, but I remember hearing this other sense of God's voice in a strange way. Six years later, I'm at the age of 17 years old. It's Sunday morning. I'm big and I'm tall and I'm in control and nobody can make me go to church. And I had stopped going to church and I'm lying in bed that Sunday morning and my mother and my sisters were getting ready for church and the radio was on. And I heard this song being played on the radio. The Savior is waiting to enter your heart. Why won't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time, he's waited before, and now he's waiting again to see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. And I'm telling you, have you ever had the experience where you feel like somebody's looking at you? You feel like there's a presence with you? I was alone in my room, and I felt like somebody else was in the room with me, and I shot up out of the bed and I looked around and the room was empty. Looking back on that experience, I now know that it was the Lord's presence who was there. I now know that the same God who called Abraham was calling me into a covenant relationship with himself through Jesus. And you know, just like Abraham, I was not seeking after God. I wasn't loving God. I was pagan to the core captain of my high school basketball team, ungodly. I was disobedient to my parents. But then God who is rich in mercy, that's the thing I want you to hear. That's the greatest blessing of all, that no matter how far you have gone, this God comes after us 
He loves us. God, who is rich in mercy, rich in grace, sought me, bought me with the precious blood of Christ. And I'm here to tell you this morning that even if you've lost your job, and that's rough, you've lost your 401k, and that's rough, you've lost a family member, and that's devastating, even if all hell is breaking out in your life this morning, I want you to know that there is a blessing that nothing can unearth, nothing can unseat, and it's the blessing of knowing that your life is hidden with God in Christ Jesus, that the sovereign God of the universe has called you into a relationship, and nothing can separate you from his love. That's the greatest blessing of all. That's the blessing of Abraham. That's the blessing that God has poured out upon you. And many of you here know what I'm talking about because you've been called by God too. But there was a second blessing that God poured out on Abraham, and it's this blessing that comes from this generous God. Because not only did God call Abraham, but God blessed him. Blessed him and said, I'm going to bless you with a land. I'm going to bless you with a great name. I'm going to bless you through a great nation. Of course, it was fulfilled because Jesus Christ comes as a direct descendant of Abraham, who was the ultimate blessing of all. This is the nature of God to bless. I went back and I read some examples in Genesis 1. The, the Bible says that God blessed Adam. God blessed the seventh day. God blessed the male and the female. God blessed Noah and his sons. God blessed Abraham and Sarai in their old age with a son. And then at the very, very end of Abraham's life, we read these precious, precious words. Now Abraham was old. And in our culture, we don't celebrate being old. But the Bible says that Abraham was old. He was well advanced in years. And then it said this, And the Lord blessed Abraham in all things. I want you to know this is what God does. Everything that God has made has the stamp of his blessings. And I can remember as a child when I was growing up in Jamaica, our family didn't have a lot of material things. We just didn't. You know, as a child growing up, I never had a bicycle. We never owned a car. We never owned a telephone. We never took a vacation. And then when I got old, I realized why we didn't need to, because Jamaica is surrounded by all these white sandy beaches. And you're the guys who need the vacation, so you travel to Jamaica. <laughs> so I didn't feel too bad about that part after a while. But you know, growing up as a child in Jamaica, I knew I was blessed. Because I had this incredible grandmother who loved me. I have a mother even now. I call her my, 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 my heaven-sent mother. Because she was one of the first persons I remember who taught me about Jesus from the Bible. Growing up as a child in Jamaica, there was never a day that I went hungry. I never had to sleep in the streets. I never went without clothing. I was never deprived of love and affection. I knew I was special. We didn't have everything in terms of material things, but yet I grew up as a child knowing that I was blessed. I was joyful. I was peaceful. I was filled with happiness. But one of the biggest blessings I remember as a child receiving in Jamaica was the day when my mother and I took a walk to the local library. And we just walked out of our house and walked a few blocks down the street, and there's this library. And she allowed me to fill out a library card because I was a reader by then. And I still remember the, 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 the smell of walking into that little room 
with all those books and the smell of those books and this whole new world of information opened up to me and through my mother I received that great blessing I learned through my mother the power of gratitude the power of just saying thanks thanking God in everything even though our material resources were limited my mom was still a giver she was a lover she served God and I learned that from her I learned how to tithe from my mother because she just walked in that spirit of gratitude. Two years ago, my wife and I had to go back to Jamaica. And we try to go back every year, but this was not one of the occasions that we wanted to go back because her father had just died. And I went back to do the service. And when it was time for us to go home, the fellow who was driving us back to the airport decided to drive along a certain road in Kingston that is called Spanish Town Road. Spanish Town Road runs directly past where I grew up as a child and I hadn't been down that road in quite some time it was dark it was early in the morning but through the glare of the streetlights I could still make out every nook and cranny of my little neighborhood when I was growing up there and then we drove past that little library and I don't know what happened to me but that flood that flood of memory started washing over me and I got so emotional and I started crying right there in the car and I wasn't crying tears of sadness I was crying tears of joy and gratitude because here I was at this point in my life and I started to say God you've been so good to me I don't deserve this I do not deserve this that God has allowed me to have this wife of mine for 28 years that God has allowed me to have precious children that God has allowed me to have opportunities to study and to gain an education that God has given me good health that God has given me good friends that God has allowed me to be pastoring a church like First Pres in Evanston and I said God where would I be if you hadn't called me and even when the plane landed in Pittsburgh hours later, I was still wrecked by the grace of God. I was still wrecked by the kindness of God. And I realized that despite everything that had gone on in my life, I was blessed and I was not cursed. Despite everything that had gone on in my life, I know, know that I am rich, not necessarily in material things, but I know that I am rich. My life is full and I had this deep, deep sense of the goodness of God. That's the generous God that you and I worship and serve. One of my favorite quotes is from Cicero, the Roman orator, who says, if you have a garden and you have a library, you have everything you need. I wonder if you'd do something for me this morning. Some of you are, I'm maybe putting you to sleep. So I want to wake you up. I just want you to say with me, I am blessed. Can you say that? Say it one more time. Say it like you believe it. Yes, you are. And you are blessed because God is a very generous God. He loves you, he cares about you, and he pours out his blessings upon you, and that is who you are. Here's the last thing that I saw in, in Abraham's story that I think speaks to us. Because not only did God bless Abraham so he could be a blessing to others, but God also called Abraham and told him to go. And the scriptures tell us in verse 1, God said to him, go. And in verse 4, it says, Abraham went. And in 1981, I left Jamaica for America, and I left rather reluctantly. 
I did not want to leave my island home. But over the years, as I look back, I realized that this was part of God's plan for me. I remember when I landed in New York City, October of 1981, Ronald Reagan was in the White House. And the first thing I noticed when I came to America was this wealth of opportunity that abounds for those who want to acquire an education, for those who want to increase their material standing, that America is a blessed nation. The other thing I noticed coming to America was that Americans are very generous. America is one of the most giving nations on the face of the earth, giving to other countries, giving to people. And I've met so many, so many wonderful, wonderful people who have reached out to me at different times in my life and really were the hands of God and the blessing of God to me. But the third thing I noticed when I moved to this country was that I met so many people surrounded by this sea of opportunity, people who had so much going on for them, and yet many of the folks that I met were so unhappy. And I would often say to myself, how can a people who have so much of this world's goods still be so unhappy? And I think part of the answer is bound up in the story that I shared with you at the beginning, that many of our folks do not appreciate what they have. Some folks today don't even appreciate the fact that they live in a country like America. People today are constantly distracted, constantly worried, constantly focused on what other people have and not what God's doing in their lives. And so they have no time to stand back and say, God, thank you. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. It's hard to do that if you're worried, if you're envious, if there's no gratitude in your heart. You know, one of the reasons why we need to own this One of the reasons why we need to own this, it's because you and I live in a hurting world. And one of the things that I've been praying for our church, and I would pray the same for Christ Church, is that God would give to each and every one of us people eyes. People are hurting. People are broken. And I learned a long time ago that the way God works, God is not going to send the angels now to touch and to heal and to give and to encourage and to build up and to provide. God is not going to send angels. God is going to send you and me. We live in a hurting world. We live in a world that is fraught with revolution. And every minute you turn the TV on, you hear of countries being overthrown, of wars and rumors of wars. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had a revolution in service? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we would have what I call a servolution? where instead of violence, God's people would be raised up to just be an army of people doing good. I think of that passage in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, where Peter said that Jesus was anointed by God with the Holy Spirit to do good, and everywhere Jesus went, Jesus did good. Wouldn't it be wonderful if as local congregations, we would also know that we've been blessed and anointed with the Holy Spirit, and that everywhere we go, We are empowered and blessed by God to do good. I'm talking to you. Yes, you are blessed and anointed by God to do good. Wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be a powerful thing to consider. And I don't know what you do with your Monday through Friday life, but I wonder what you'll do on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday, knowing what you know now, that you have all of God's blessings in your life to make a difference in someone's life. 
to make a difference in your neighbor's life. And your neighbor could be the person who lives on the other side of your fence. But I like Jesus' definition. Your neighbor is anyone who has a need. And if God has blessed you, and you see a person with a need, that person becomes your neighbor. That person becomes your mission. And God is now saying to you, go. I call it flowing in the Holy Spirit. And I literally try to do that. When I wake up in the mornings, I say, God, would you use me for your glory? Would you use my hands? Would you use my feet, Lord? You've given me this body. Would you use my body? Use me for your glory. Help me to follow you. And I don't know what God's going to do at that point. But I don't just take people for granted. Whenever I meet someone and I'm talking to that person, I'm literally praying at that point. As I'm looking at that person, I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do with this meeting right now? Is there something you want to do through me for this person? Then God, show me. Why do I do that? Because I know God has blessed me with so much. And I remember last week I was getting into my car and I saw this guy. And I'm not one to say I hear voices, but something just told me, give the guy the money that you have. And I parked the car and I got out and I walked over to this guy and I said, hey, come here. And I reached into my pocket and I gave him the money. And I don't care what happens to the money after that. I felt God was telling me to do it. And that's the kind of life I want to live. I want to live flowing with the Holy Spirit because God has blessed me. And the only way God's going to touch this world, he's going to touch the world through people like you and me. Won't you try it this week? Try it. Tomorrow morning. You know what? Even before tomorrow morning, why don't you stand with me quickly? Just stand with me and then we'll close. Why don't you pray with me the same prayer that I pray and we'll start it right now. But what I like to do, I like to lift my hands up. And it's not because I'm a charismaniac. I'm actually charismatic, but I'm not a charismaniac. But I like to lift my hands up because the lifting of your hand, it's an act of surrender. You say, God, I give up. It's you. You're the boss, Lord. And you turn your palms out because you're not holding on to anything now. Not holding on to anything. And you say, God, use me for your glory. Would you say that with me? Use me for your glory. Use my hands. Use my feet. Use my mind. Use my body. God, use me for your glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated.